So the way a lot of development teams work is inconsistent uh, and inefficient in a couple of ways. First of all, uh, UI designers, unless they're working in, in a highly systematic way, they tend to kind of end up inventing, reinventing the wheel over and over again. Mm -hmm. So instead of essentially looking at, well, you know, the wheel that they already designed last week, they end up designing a new wheel. And this is especially true for, for teams with more than one designer, especially if you're thinking about a big company with probably multiple product teams. You just tend to end up with a lot of, a lot of different designs for uh, solving the same problem. This could be because you know, they're not aware of what the other designer has done, or, and I know this personally because I've worked as a UI designer for uh, about uh, eight years. So, uh, a lot of times when you're working for several months or even years on, on a big product, it can be pretty impossible to remember what you've already designed, what's already yeah. out there and, and, and what is not. And then on the development side, developers also tend to work inefficiently. You're listening to the Vaadin Insider Podcast, a show aiming to uncover the processes, mental models, and tools that go into building mission-critical enterprise business applications. We interview business and technical stakeholders involved in the enterprise application development lifecycle and share the lessons learned from building business applications that run the global economy. In this episode, we have Rolf Smeds, who is currently the product owner of Design System at Vaadin. What's interesting about Rolf's experience is that he has spent over 13 years down in the trenches of low-level web technologies as a web developer himself. And after realizing the strategic importance of usability and good UX UI design in enterprise business web applications, he transitioned to a user experience designer role where he's been consulting with enterprises over the last eight years to now helping democratize Vaadin's mission to help developers build web applications that their users love as the product owner of design system. Rolf helps us understand the two key business problems that design systems are meant to solve. We chat about what's a design system and how it's more than just a component library with some style sheets and some documentation about it. And he also gives us an insider view onto Vaadin's roadmap for design system that is going to be released as a part of the core Vaadin platform. So before even we jump into design system, I wanted to actually share this interesting research that Figma did where they asked around companies on designer to developer ratio. And I have this chart in front of me. Atlassian went from one designer per 25 developers back in 2012 to one per nine developers. Same for Dropbox, one is to 10 to one is to six. Intercom, you know, you know, 2017. One is to five, LinkedIn went from 11 developers per designer to eight, and IBM went from 72 developers to eight. So definitely design is something we, you know, in enterprise applications, it's, it's nothing new anymore. So Rolf, uh, why don't we start with, yeah, what's, you know, why, why, sh why are companies so prioritizing design systems so much in the first place, because what is the problem that it's solving in enterprise application development lifecycle? 
Right. So I think the problem that companies are trying to solve with design systems pretty much boils down to two things, inefficiency and inconsistency. So the way a lot of development teams work is inconsistent and inefficient in a couple of ways. First of all, you uh, are designers, unless they're working in, in a highly systematic way, they tend to kind of end up inventing, reinventing the wheel over and over again. Mm -hmm. So instead of essentially looking at, well, you know, the wheel that they already designed last week, they end up designing a new wheel. And this is especially true for, for teams with more than one designer, especially if you're thinking about a big company with probably multiple product teams, mm -hmm. you just tend to end up with a lot of, a lot of different designs for uh, solving the same problem. This could be because, you know, they're not aware of what the other designer has done or, mm -hmm. and I know this personally because I've worked as a UI designer for uh, about uh, eight years. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of times when you're working for several months or even years on, on a big product, it can be pretty impossible to remember what you've already designed, what's already yeah. out there and, and, mm -hmm. and what is not. Mm -hmm. And then on the development side, Developers also tend to work inefficiently. It tends to be even worse because a lot of times they're actually implementing designs that are inconsistent to begin with. Yeah. And so even if the designs themselves are consistent, the developers also tend to have the same problem that they don't really know what has already been implemented. Yeah. And so they end up implementing the same thing again. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that they're just unable to identify in the materials that the designers are handing over to them, they're unable to identify those features as something that they know that already exists. Maybe because it yeah. looks a bit different. No, I can empathize for developers. Most of the time at enterprises, you know, for business applications, they don't even have access to designers and they're just new developers thrown into this. Hey, oh yeah. Here's this legacy application, go re-engineer that thing. So inefficiency, inconsistency, those two words, you know, CIO, CTO, COs, they, they hate hearing that stuff, but that's yeah, what yeah. we live in today. Could you collaborate? What are exactly the waste that, you know, ends up being created when there is no design system in place? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, what's most obvious is that you end up with an inconsistent UI, uh, a UI that is inconsistent within an application or you know between applications that you know are part of the same suite of applications that are expected mm -hmm. to to look and work the same way mm -hmm. and you end up with a lot of tiny little inconsistencies mm -hmm. and the problem with that is not just that it's kind of uh, you know it gives a bad impression but also mm -hmm. because in like consistency is one of the most important factors for great usability mm -hmm. without consistency without a consistent ui that the user can easily learn and once they used one application they can easily learn to use another application if it's based on the same same design standards mm -hmm. without that you know you you end up for example in situations where it's really easy for the user to make mistakes mm -hmm. so the error rate the user error rate goes up with an inconsistent ui and of course the learning curve goes up because yeah. you can't as easily apply what you already know from before if the new things, you need, the new features or applications you need to use are inconsistent with, with what you've already used. Mm -hmm. 
there's also a, a third problem there, uh, which is that not just are the UIs inconsistent, but they're also, you know, implemented the same features that should be implemented just once and reused yeah. in the code base. Those are implemented multiple times. Mm -hmm. And of course, the more code you have, the more bugs you're likely to have, yeah. and the more effort you're going to be putting into maintain, maintaining that code and refactoring it later on. Mm -hmm. and, and and of course, lastly, it's it's a waste of time and effort and money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, you see that now. So I mean, it sounds like you know, with, with with efficiency, companies, you know, they are able to build a system that helps the user get the job done as of at least lessly as possible in the application. And mm -hmm. when, when we have consistency within a single application and different application, you know, it uh, it ends up you know making the application more usable and reduces in the learning curve, like you said, and the user can focus on getting stuff done, which I believe, you know, the technology leaders and business leaders uh, care about. So why, yeah. don't we, why, don't, why don't we get to the, the crux of, so what, what is a design system? Right. So I guess, first of all, I, I should preface this with, with saying that a design system can mean different things in different contexts. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this particular context, we're talking about a design system for user interfaces, for, for, for teams building applications primarily, or other digital products with UIs. Yep. So in that context, the way I see it, a design system at its core uh, consists of two things, really. First of all, uh, a set of components and styles and, and uh, predefined compositions of, of, of various components and styles. Essentially, UI building blocks that you use to create a UI. And then secondly, it's a set of, set of standards for how those building blocks should be used and how they should be combined in order to create a good UI. Interesting standards. So, I mean, how, how is this different than having, like we already have a component library with the different APIs, documentation, uh, like the volume components that I'm referring to, how, how is that different uh, when you say yeah. standard? Yeah, so, so basically we already have a great set of components as part of the volume platform. Mm -hmm. But the key here is that uh, a component library in itself is, doesn't really have an opinion about anything. Mm -hmm. It gives you a bunch of components and it might also give you some style sheets or, or themes that you can you know, use to, to apply different visual uh, styles to those components. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really, it doesn't help you use them in a smart way. It, it will give you technical documentation mm -hmm. about how technically to use them, but it won't give you any help in uh, figuring out uh, which component to use when and how to combine them to solve uh, common problems. Mm -hmm. So, a design system, on the other hand, is opinionated. So mm -hmm. it tells you that, for example, for this kind of use case, you should use this and that component and yeah. those stylings and mm -hmm. combine them, kind of combine them like this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this will give you what is considered by, you know, the creators of the design system who are hopefully, you know, UI design experts. This will give you uh, actually a good good UI uh, for most cases. Mm -hmm. So 
instead of just bundling those those components and uh, themes with technical documentation, mm -hmm. uh, you provide them with standards for for how to use them and and, and, and when to use them and how to combine them. Okay. So there's also something that I think is is almost universal in, in most component libraries that are that don't consider them to be design systems in that they mostly just give you like the smallest building blocks mm -hmm. like input fields and buttons uh, maybe a few simple layouts but very few component libraries provide you with uh, building blocks that are, are more ready to use to solve a particular problem like a to for a particular UI need so yeah. if you think about like if you think about Legos, you know the Lego bricks. Mm -hmm. Most component libraries just give you those simple nice. uh, bricks. <laughs> yeah, just a simple rectangular bricks basically. Whereas you know if you're building in this huge Lego castle, you need these turrets and walls and knights and things. Yeah. And you don't. I mean, ideally, if you want to do that efficiently, you wouldn't want to have to build each turret from scratch. You would already want to have a turret. Yeah. So what a design system, in my opinion, should do is also provide designers and developers with, with more ready-made mm -hmm. compositions of, of components and styles. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like design system essentially can take away a lot of the boilerplate part of UI design by having these predefined solutions for the common you know, implementation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly what it's really about. And if, if we think about, like, if you think about a framework, a, a web application framework, for example, like Vaadin, mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it, what, it, what it essentially is for is for taking away, the taking care of all that boilerplate so that the mm -hmm. developer doesn't have to do all that stuff from scratch. Yep, the low-level web stuff. Yeah. So, you know, they can focus on, on, on providing value for the user. Mm -hmm. And you can say that a design system is for UI design and UI implementation as well, mm -hmm. what uh, a, 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 a framework like Vaadin is for, um, you know, everything else. Of, of, yeah. I love that definition, actually. So you're saying that a design system will help the UI designer and the UI implementation developer to focus on the, concentrate on the actual business problem, the user experience problems, rather than have to deal with, you know, how do I implement this button on the page or things like that. Yeah, exactly. Or where, where on the page should the button even go? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I, I think uh, one of the things that kind of bothers me about uh, the way people, uh, a lot of people who are not designers think about design systems is that there's mm -hmm. something that is only for designers. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's, it's at least as much for, for, for developers and for any stakeholders. Really. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting, I feel there's some uh, cognitive dissonance there because when developers, you know, historically have been implementing, especially in enterprise business applications, developers have been implementing, the, they don't, didn't have much support from designers. And then comes this emerging design UX UI you know, business applications and now they have to collaborate. So I've, I've sensed some that developers have this uh, opinion about their 
skill set that they know how to implement this. And designers often are disconnected with how a framework is supposed to work, how the business logic works. So they design yeah. fancy and sexy, and then the developer can't implement that. So there is like a headbutt between design team and development team, <laughs> which I've heard from my friends who are both on the design side and the developer side. Yeah, so, yeah. That's a very good that's a very good point you brought up, actually. I mean, a, a, a design system, uh, when a design system is actually optimized for a particular uh, implementation framework, like it is in our case, like, for example, when we have the Vaadin framework, mm -hmm. if you have a design system that is actually made from the ground up for that particular implementation tooling, that also helps the designers understand what those components can do for you, what they can do easily, what they can't do, what styles they have at their disposal without having to invent something new. Yeah. So, and also it helps developers because then, you know, they can just use what is already in their toolbox instead of having to implement something completely new because the designers weren't aware of what's already there or what isn't there. So that's a very good point. No, that's interesting because developers may have not been used to having this help, uh, you know, the single design system. So they just go with the mock-up or whatever they get. And, and often you end up in situations where the designers have sold this amazing dashboard to the business users. And then the real end product, which the developer implements, looks nothing close to that. And then that's the, <laughs> you know, that's where the architect gets uh, on the fire and the business users are just end up being unhappy. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, to make it look a bit better, they get a CSS developer uh, on board, a front-end developer to, to, you know, to painstakingly tweak those the CSS to make the styling better, to make it look better. But even that's kind of something that happens after the fact, after it's, it's already been built. Incredibly inefficient, exactly. You're like, yeah. Yes. It's, uh, and I'm okay. being there. <laughs> I, I'm being there. I know exactly how inefficient it is. So there, there you go. So you're someone who lived the problem and now working on building the design system for Vaadin. Before we jump into that, uh, so could you give us some example? You mentioned, you know, like standards that a design system contains. Uh, help us yeah. picture some picture paint for what that looks like for a component. Yeah. So we can take a really common example of, let's say you have a list of, of things and you click one of those items in the list and it opens a modal dialogue, a pop-up, basically an overlay. Yeah. And for editing that item. So it yeah. has a simple form. Mm -hmm. It probably needs to have a button for saving those changes or canceling the changes. Mm -hmm. So it seems simple enough, but there's a lot of, a lot of configuration decisions to make, to be made just about those buttons. Yeah. So should the save and cancel buttons be at the top or should it be at the bottom? Mm -hmm. Should it be on the left or on the right? Should they have the same styling or should one of them have look different from the other? Mm -hmm. And so on. So it seems like a trivial de detail, but button order and button placement actually has a significant impact on, on user error rates. Yeah. And it also has an impact on keyboard usability. Yeah. And I won't go into the details now, but it, it does, small things like that can have an incredible amount of impact. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, there's something interesting on the button stuff you mentioned. So I was trying to cancel my G Suite uh, account yesterday, 
And funny enough, their admin.google.com console does not look as neat and clean as the regular Gmail, you know, that we yeah. use. But most importantly, when I try to find the billing and where to cancel the subscription, so imagine the, when I click on cancel subscription, the button that said not now was in blue and highlighted versus yes, cancel my subscription was like dark and gray and like, like you know, automatically like <laughs> they want the user to <laughs> click in no versus yes. And I was like, damn, that is something really, you know, screws up your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be, that could be considered a bit of an anti-pattern, even. <laughs> anti-pattern. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but okay, so so you know we have design uh, design system on Valen as part of development roadmap. Uh, why don't we do this? So what was missing historically from what has been missing from Valen's offering that you know led the, the R and D team to prioritize building a full-fledged design system? Right. So I mean. Obviously, we've had this awesome set of components, the, the current components we've had for many years now, mm-hmm. uh, and o- also the Luma theme. And, and before that, we had the, the Valiant 6 to 8 components and, and themes for those versions of the framework. Mm-hmm. And I think also we have a decent amount of technical documentation for them. Mm-hmm. But the Valiant platform has never really been uh, very opinionated about mm-hmm. how to make great UIs. Yeah. We just kind of provided the building blocks, just like any in any new component library out there. We just we just provide the building blocks, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. we leave the rest up to the developers who are building on top of that platform. Yeah. So the things that we felt were missing was first of all those standards or guidelines for for how to use the components in a great way and how to mm-hmm. combine them in smart ways, mm-hmm. and also these kinds of like bigger composite building blocks that, you know, we, we, we're calling them UI patterns. That's a pretty common term for it. For, mm-hmm. for example, that the form dialogue that I, example that I just mentioned, yeah. having a, a dialogue component mm-hmm. uh, that probably at the top has a title mm-hmm. and then, you know, some content area in between mm-hmm. and a footer with the save and cancel buttons. Mm-hmm. So, um, in, in some cases, instead of just like giving guidelines on, you know, what the best way to build a dialogue like, like this would be, mm-hmm. we might even want to go further and provide something that is kind of like a component or it could be just a code snippet. We haven't quite decided on what uh, level, what format that should be in yet, but mm-hmm. essentially a bigger building block than just these, uh, the smallest Lego bricks, essentially. So we would be providing also the turrets uh, to mm-hmm. the castle. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have a slight bit of a concern when you say the word opinionated, you know, developers, they want the freedom to tinker around, figure things out. So how does being opinionated with the technology or with something like design system helps the business? Yeah. I mean, of course, designers also want to, to, you know, have their own opinions about things. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) of course. I mean, so I think the great thing here is that, you don't have to listen to the design system's opinions in, in, in all cases, of course. Mm. You, you can also just do your own thing if, mm. if you want to. Yeah. So the design system is there to give you, a, you know, a good default to fall back mm. on, unless mm. you really want to do something on your own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times you probably want to create your own components as well. Yeah. That's actually very common in, in even with fighting pro- projects where you have this, pretty comprehensive set of UI components, but there are so many unique applications out there with their own unique needs that mm-hmm. in, in most projects, you will need to create some kind of custom component. 
Yep. And we also want to provide guidance on how to design and build your own components in a way that makes them fit in with uh, the, the, the standard body components. Okay. And so, I mean, when I, as I hear this and when I put my, you know, CIO hat, sounds like a design system is taking, I don't like to use the word best practices, but it's taking uh, these processes that are, that are meant to make the workplace efficient and effective and that has been tested through the times, you know, of how workflows uh, work in enterprises. And that's what we give to the developers and designers. Hey, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Focus on making the wheel, you know, as per the, the size radius you need for your, you know, your speed requirements rather than having <laughs> to focus on building the wheel from scratch. Exactly. Because, I mean, even though there are so many different applications with so many unique needs, they still tend to center around a fairly small set of common recurring patterns. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, like I said, I've been doing UI design for about eight years. And, you know, after only a few years, you start to become pretty familiar with those patterns that just are tried and tested. They work so well that there's, if, if, you're, just, if you're just aware of those patterns mm -hmm. uh, and understand how to, to imp implement them properly, mm -hmm. uh, there's rarely a, a good reason to deviate from them unless you're doing something a bit more, uh, a bit more fancy. Yeah. That's, uh, but, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but so essentially it's really about like empowering designers and developers to, mm -hmm. to focus on, on what really matters instead of, yeah. in, in, instead of reinventing the wheel. I can, I can see some work that the technology leaders can do, you know, especially product leaders can bring designers and developers on the same room. I mean, not probably, ironically, not right now <laughs> with the whole work from home uh, enforcement, but uh, making sure the designers and developers are on the same page that they are solving a business problem and nobody is trying to force anyone to have to, you know, be boxed in this set of limitations and not be able to stretch their full creativity and, and you know, freedom that, yeah. that helps them to pick the profession they are at. It sounds like there's some leadership guiding and, and management can help to create that, you know, peace and harmony and, and make sure the developers and designers feel empowered when they see something like a design system. So that's, that's really fascinating. So we, we're going to add these guidelines, this UI patterns. Uh, what else uh, uh, is on the Valen roadmap for design systems? Yeah, so, so until now, we've really just been talking about assets for developers. We've been talking about the style, the, the style sheets or themes and the components that, that developers can use. But of course, we also want to make it easy for, for uh, UI designers to work with the platform. Mm -hmm. And UI designers rarely work directly with code. Some of them do but many of them don't yeah so they usually prefer to work in, in a design tool like sketch or or figma or envision yeah. and in order to to make their lives easier we also want to provide assets that they can use in their favorite design tool to that you know again helps them make vaadin-based designs yeah. so we're going to launch uh, an official vaadin uh, ui Figma library. So for Figma, mm -hmm. which is currently one of the most popular UI design tools. Mm -hmm. 
on the market. We might expand that to other tools later on, but right now we are focusing on Figma, mainly because that's what we use internally. Most, most of the designers at Plotting use that internally. Uh, well, quick question. Uh, so when you say assets, like these will be buttons and icons and all the components? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, so essentially in Figma, Figma doesn't really support actual like HTML-based real code components. So instead you have essentially visual representations of, of those, but they can be pretty dynamic. Like you can have different states in them and they can scale nicely and so on. And yeah. so basically, yes, all the voting components and also some things like the color uh, palettes uh, yeah. in the Puma theme. Yeah. So if I visualize this, I envision in Figma, then designers will be able to just drag and drop those components within their wireframe or mockups, which are based mm -hmm. on the, the voting components. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, what else? And so, yeah, there's, then there's this big thing, a couple of things really you need to understand about design systems. One of them is probably pretty obvious if you've been paying attention so far, which is that uh, it, it's very much about documentation. Mm -hmm. So unless a design system is, is well documented somewhere where both the designers and the developers and, and any stakeholder can easily reach, browse and, and find things in that documentation, mm -hmm. it, there's not much point in having a design system unless, you know, that information that it contains, the knowledge that it contains, uh, you know, gets to the people who need it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that when it comes to design systems, one size does not fit all. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, there are so many different applications out there and they have different requirements on their UIs. Yep. So, to take one example, we have something like Airbnb, mm -hmm. which, you know, regardless of if you think about their mobile app or their website, because they're both based on the same design system, yep. uh, which is great, by the way, mm -hmm. those, that design system is optimized for a consumer facing UI that is, you know, for, for, for managing and booking, booking apartments basically. Yeah. And it, it has fairly low information density as mm -hmm. most consumer apps tend to do. Yeah. It's highly optimized for touch and mobile usage. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the whole design system is, is based around those principles. Yeah. Whereas then if you think about, say, you know, the kind of software that you see stock traders um, yeah. <laughs> use, yeah. you know, those, they have like four screens that are just full of <laughs> numbers and, and, and yeah. charts and things. Yeah. That's uh, like the polar opposite of the Airbnb UI. It's yeah. like super dense information density. Yeah. Absolutely no regard um, for mobile or touch usage because nobody would ever use that on a mobile or touch device. Yeah. And, you know, they probably need to have a slightly different components as well. They probably want to have a different kind of theme that supports that higher information density and so on. Mm -hmm. So this means that, you know, we can't really have a single, a single design system that just mm -hmm. magically fits any application. Mm -hmm. So how can the voting design system then help designers and yeah yeah how, how can they help both how can they help various types of, of product teams mm -hmm. and the thing is that the volume design system won't be like an end to itself it, it, it's it's 
we're building it to be customizable and extendable. Okay. So the idea is that it will provide a baseline uh, design system mm -hmm. that co companies can then build their own design systems on top of. Mm. So instead of starting from scratch and having to figure out like what every single component should be like, what what the styling should be like, and what those standards and, and you know guidelines for how to use those components and how to combine them and so on. Instead of having to figure all of that out from scratch, we're providing them with a decent, hopefully a really good baseline. Mm -hmm. So we expect, I mean, we expect that a lot of uh, product teams will just be able to use the one in design system with the core set of components and themes as is. Maybe doing a little bit of tweaking on, on the colors or the theme to make it fit their branding. Mm -hmm. But we also expect a lot of them to want to uh, add their own components mm -hmm. uh, or significantly tweak the look and feel or you know maybe even exclude some components that they don't want to use in their own products. Mm -hmm. So we're building the body design system with the assumption that it will be customized a lot and extended a lot with a lot of custom things. Mm -hmm. So I want to clarify one thing here quickly. So is the focus of Vaden Design System primarily on developers and designers who work on the Vaden platform? I mean, 40% of Fortune companies use Vaden, which is great, but are we focusing currently on the Vaden community or can any designer developer working out with, you know, other front-end frameworks out there or just our web components? Will, so who, who is the target audience for Design System? Well, the main target audience is is definitely teams working on volume-based products. There's, I, I think, it gives the most value to those teams because, you know, if they're using volume components, then they already have implementations for for those. Theoretically, of course, you could use this design system as a basis for for something that doesn't even use volume components. Yeah. But of course, uh, you know, probably most, most people will be actually using Vodin components. It doesn't, of course, mean that they have to use the Vodin platform or the Vodin framework as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, since, since our components are, are web, based on a web component standard, yeah. um, you can actually use them in pretty much any web framework. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the whole um, core thesis behind our components library has been, hey, if you're building enterprise business applications, here you go. These are the basics that we have learned over the past 20 years that makes an application usable. So go run with it instead of trying to build things from scratch. So yeah. it kind of clarifies things a bit. So, I mean, you know, when you, when you talk about design system, the first thing that comes to my mind is Google's material design. And there's yeah. other you know, large companies and brands who have put a, open source their own design system. So what makes the Valden design system different from those? I, I, think, I think the thing that makes Valden so different from most design systems out there is, is what I just mentioned, that it's, it's built to be built on top of. It's built as a baseline primarily. Um, uh, you could say that material design is also built. It's not built for a specific organization or product. I mean, most design systems are made for a particular product or organization. Like if you think about Airbnb, mm -hmm. they have an awesome design system, but it's made specifically for their, you know, for their UIs. Yep. Or if you think about, well, Atlassian, they have yeah. a really nice design system as well. But of course, it's, it's, it's optimized for 
there, you know, for Jira and uh, Confluence and so on. Yep. So you can say that material, Google's material design is not really, I mean, Google uses it, use it themselves, uh, mm -hmm. but they also want other people to use it. Yep. So it's not that proto specific, but it's still, it's still heavily optimized for mobile and touch-based UIs. Mm -hmm. So again, the information density is fairly low and so on. And, and so I think there, there's still a difference there in that we're trying to be as, as or we're trying to be opinionated, but yeah. not too specific for any t specific type of app. I think we're, we, we will have a slight lean towards enterprise apps, mm -hmm. yep. which again, for example, material design definitely does not have. Yeah. So that, I think that's one of the main differentiators. I think another differentiator is is what was also kind of we what we also touched upon just a moment ago is that it's a design system that is optimized for a particular set of components and a particular set of components optimized for the design system. Mm -hmm. So they go very nicely hand in hand. So a lot of design systems out there have some of them don't even provide you with a set of reusable components but they just expect you to you know, implement your own. They, they probably, of course, have their own implementation that they have internally. But those yeah. that might not be public for you know, anybody to use. Yeah. And then there are a lot of, a lot of component libraries out there, mm -hmm. which don't really fit into my definition of a design system, who do, that, do, don't really, that are not opinionated in the way that we want to be, that don't provide the guidance that we want to provide. <clears throat> and they're really just, you know, component libraries. Mm -hmm. So I think the cool thing about us is that we have both this really comprehensive, high quality set of components, mm -hmm. and we're going to have uh, uh, this, you know, helpful design system built mm -hmm. around those components and the themes. Mm -hmm. And there's also one more thing on the roadmap that I haven't talked about yet, which is that, as I mentioned, documentation is so important for a design system. Yeah. It's like the, the documentation is like the heart of a design system. Mm -hmm. So like if, if we then assume that people will be building their own design systems on top of ours, where mm -hmm. will that documentation live? Mm -hmm. I mean, the baseline Vardin design system will, of course, be documented on Vardin.com. Yeah. Just like, you know, our components currently are. Mm -hmm. But the organizations that will be building their own design systems on top of ours also need some tools for, for documenting it, some way to provide this documentation website. Mm. And that's one of the things that we're, we're also building. Mm. Essentially, a design system documentation tool specifically made for the Vardin design system, mm -hmm. which you know, will help you. I mean, when you, when you create your own design system on top of the Vardin design system, you will get all, all of that all of those guidelines, all of those standards that we have defined as part of the baseline, you will mm -hmm. get all of those. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you know, you can choose which of those to keep as is, which of them to, uh, you know, edit, to, to mm -hmm. you know, modify with your own opinions. Yeah. And uh, to which you can add documentation about your own components, I mean, your own mm -hmm. theme and so on. Yeah, I mean, uh, as I hear all of this, I, I see two things. One, since you know, web components, web standards, so companies, uh, enterprises get to bet on standards. Uh, and number two is uh, for internal enterprise business applications, developers and the 
product you know managers will tell that they don't get as much love in terms of design than the consumer facing stuff so oh, yeah. there, oftentimes there is no designer or design system in place and developers just go with you know how they want to put things together and uh, it's the internal folks anyway so they'll have to just suck it up and use this application <laughs> the workflow it is fine until now as cios and cto's they examine the portfolio of the application and then see wait a minute the cost, you know, the, the cost that adds up, the user error cost, support call cost. And that's where, uh, that's where I think the companies will now can see the value of having, you know, leading with the design system opinionated, you know, way to development and design of in mind, especially from an accounting level. I mean, the CFO doesn't even get to see how many, you know, how much money we are flushing down the drain because of this kind of low level technical challenges that there's solution out there. I mean, design system yeah. is supposed to solve all of these stuff. Uh, Absolutely. This, yeah, this was, this was good. So why, why don't we do this? Uh, in an enterprise application development cycle, we have the designer, the developer who do the most of the groundwork. We have the architect who comes in to oversee at the beginning of the stage. Then we have the, you know, managers we have the business stakeholders so we, we've been focusing so so much right now for empowering developers and designers let's wear the hats of an enterprise architect and he's let's say he's focusing on a legacy modernization he has to you know transform you know all of this legacy stuff how would you communicate the effectiveness of design system to an architect who might have been, who, who might be coming from a purely technical background. And his uh, first thing that comes to mind when you say design system is, oh, designers. Yeah, we have designers in-house. <laughs> yeah. So when you're looking at a modernization project for a legacy system, mm -hmm. especially if you're moving from, <clears throat> from, from non-web to web, mm -hmm. as most are at the moment still doing, Yep. And regardless of if you're not, if it's a legacy system, it's, it's probably at least, you know, 15 years old anyway. So you're not yeah. going to be building it on top of the same frameworks with the same components and so on as you did 15 or more years ago. Yeah. So you're looking at a pretty huge effort. You probably have, you know, hundreds of views mm -hmm. in your UI that need to be migrated. And first of all, you don't want to do that ad hoc in an ad hoc manner. Because that's just going to be an absurd amount of work to, to build a, each and every view ad hoc mm -hmm. from scratch. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and also, you probably also want to modernize not just the technical underpinnings of your, your, your system, but also, you know, modernize the UI to provide better usability mm -hmm. and to optimize it for, for the web, which, you know, in most cases wasn't before. If it, if the current system is it's a desktop app, yep. like it with you know with made in Swing or something like yep. that, yep. The, the UI patterns that were appropriate or that were dominant back in the Swing era yep. don't translate that well to the web. So you probably have to do some UI redesign as well. Right. So then the question is, well, do you want to spend all that time and money? Uh, figuring out the new design from scratch. Yeah. Even if you have designers, that's still a huge effort if you have hundreds of views. And yeah. you want to design every single one of those views individually. Mm -hmm. You want to implement every single one of those new UIs individually because that's what you're doing on the UI level. Hopefully you can reuse some of the, you know, the backend stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But on the UI level, you're probably throwing out everything and just building a new UI layer entirely. Yeah. Uh, so what a design system will do is, is first of all, it will give you this, the body design system, uh, especially which is, you know, already gives you this baseline to build on top of. That gives you a, a nice, you know, foundation to build your UI design on top of. Mm-hmm. And by systematizing the design and implementation of these hundreds of views yeah. by, for example, designing and implementing view templates that, because most huge applications with hundreds of views only have a handful of view types. Mm-hmm. So they have maybe five different types of views that cover 80% of, of those hundreds of, of, of them. Mm-hmm. So instead of designing and implementing every one of them separately, you design mm-hmm. this, these five templates. Yeah. And within those t- five templates, you probably need uh, uh, you know, a, a handful of recurring patterns. Like you have this one type of view where we have a table and it opens this dialogue with the save and cancel buttons. So instead of designing each and every de- and building every single uh, dialogue with save and cancel buttons separately, mm-hmm. uh, you just you know, you build it once, it goes into your design system, and you just keep reusing it. Reuse, yeah, the reusability. That's a good uh, transition to my next question. Now I'm going to put the hat of a you know a CIO, a CTO, who is primarily focused on at the very high business level metrics like uh, you got to reduce our total cost of ownership of all the business application in the portfolio. We want to you know reduce our operational cost, uh, create things workflows more efficient. So from a KPIs level that uh, keeps CIOs and CTOs up at night, what 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 are those? How are those impacted with the help of a design system? And I can see some hints there because by reducing you know user error cost, reducing onboarding training time in an application, yeah. employee efficiency. But can you share a little bit on the granular you know variables or metrics that end up getting positively impacted, which affects the overall you know high-level accounting KPIs? Yeah, I mean, so, so you, you basically get a, a clear, uh, clear improvement in, in design and development velocity. So mm. that, that's a pretty clear KPI that hopefully your team is already measuring their velocity. Hopefully they're, they're oh. estimating, you know, I'm hoping that they're estimating their worth with story points or something else. Yeah. And then tracking their velocity, how many story points or whatever units they're using. Mm-hmm. Are they uh, able to get done within a sprint, for example? Mm-hmm. So I could actually tell you a story about the first. So we do consulting at Vardin as well. Of course, I used to be a UI design consultant. Mm-hmm. So we build applications for, for other companies. Yeah. And the first consulting project where we used a design system-based approach mm-hmm. We, we just went ahead and did it and everybody was a bit skeptical because it is building a design system always has a, a significant upfront cost because before you start building the, the application use, you need to build those components. You need to design the components, build the components, figure out how well they fit together and so on. So everybody was a bit skeptical, yeah. but then when we actually ask the developers to estimate afterwards how much time and effort was saved mm-hmm. with this approach compared to you know the traditional approach of, of you know 
not doing it in a, in a, in a systematic way. Yeah. They said that, you know, at best, they got a six, uh, like a, a, a multiplier of six in the velocity for infinite. Hell no, come on, six X? <laughs> yeah. So it, it took a sixth of the time and effort to implement yes. many yeah. of the views in the application to what it would have done without a design system. Of course, it wasn't uh, that good of a factor across the application. Some of the views were maybe, you know, down to a factor of 1.5 or something. Yeah, yeah. It, but, it's like you know, that, that, that was the optimum case, but it's still pretty amazing. And we were just blown away by it. Yeah. No, and that's the, that's the slightly gap is where enterprises, uh, especially for internal business application, if they're not measuring their development velocity, it's hard to justify the effectiveness of, you know, starting with the design system in mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, kind of, uh, yeah, wrapping up our time here. It's, it's, if, if I had to like do a high level takeaway and I, I need your help to kind of correct if I'm, you know, saying something wrong. So when an enterprise, uh, invest in design system early on they pretty much uh, you know are maximizing the chances of uh, getting a higher roi and the measure for success uh, it's uh, you know helping the metrics like drive their vision the product vision the process infrastructure that they need to yeah. implement at scale and i think a design system often is confused with just you know colors and, and style sheets <laughs> which we have in house but no the the losing the bigger picture here which is the systematic picture and and that's what yeah. uh, i mean that's what operational efficiency all boils down to and uh, yeah i mean a successful enterprise design system will deliver uh, scalable features that are cohesive in a way that's uh, efficient for both design and development and uh, yeah and the cool thing about it is that it starts to pay itself back and mm -hmm. it just doesn't stop doing that. Like I said, it, there's, there's a significant upfront cost, yeah. but once you have that design system in place, and of mm -hmm. course it's, it's, you know, a design system is not a static thing that you build once and then it's done. It's, you it's will small. need to, you know, you, you know, you keep improving on it, of course. Exactly. But so the vast majority of the work in actually implementing features and using to the application mm -hmm. that has, you know, the, the benefits of, of doing it the design system way will mm -hmm. just increase over time. As the design system matures, it mm -hmm. covers more, a bigger and bigger part of the use cases that you need in your, your application, in your products. Yeah. So the earlier you, you invest in, in founding a design system, mm -hmm the sooner you can reap the benefits and the longer you go on, like for example, the more views you have in your application or the more applications you have, or the longer those applications are expected to, to live mm -hmm. and continue improving, the, the more benefits, the more ROI you will have from that design system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, but I still uh, also want to I also want to point out that we've also used design systems for really small projects with like maybe forty views in a single application, mm -hmm. and even that has been beneficial. Even that was worth it. Yeah, no, it's like a system. When you when I hear the word systematic, I can see it. Systems are connected to efficiency, and you know, it makes everyone happy. All right, let's let's do some quick rapid fire. Also, <laughs> first one: What's your favorite uh, design and prototype tool? You know, I think I'm, I'm always chasing this kind of holy grail of, of design and prototyping tools. Yeah. Where, you know, being a, a highly technical kind of designer, I would actually love to build, um, 
to prototype, to design and prototype with actual components, with the same components that developers mm. are using instead of just visual representations of them. Mm -hmm. So coincidentally, that's what uh, we're kind of getting towards with the Vadin Designer tool, uh, you, know, you know, whatever comes after that, yeah. the ne next generation of that tool. But so in the meantime, I, I would have to go with Figma. Okay. Um, and not, not because it does what I, it's not the holy grail that I want, mm -hmm. uh, but it's the best compromise I've found so far. Okay. So what about, what is, what is still a big uh, problem that exists, you know, in the, in the design and development uh, phase, the whole designer to developer handoff? What's a pain problem that still exists, even with the tools like Figma and Envisions, you know, out there? I think it's actually just what I, what I just said, actually. Coincidentally, it, it's my biggest pet peeve with the entire, you know, process of, of, of building digital products is specifically mm -hmm. that lack mm -hmm. of, of design tools that actually work in the same medium as, mm -hmm. uh, as in which the final product is built. Yeah. Because it means that you're still just working off representations of things instead of the things themselves. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, so a company like Airbnb, you know, could they have like uh, an internal, like how, how are, how, how are other companies they might be doing it? Like to use the uh, same component set that they implement in design. <laughs> Airbnb actually has uh, built their own tool to, to, uh, to a certain extent, be able to design with the same assets that they, they develop in. Mm. And and there are a bunch of different there. There's like this whole whole uh, continuum between just designing with static images. Like mm -hmm. back in the day, your designers used to work in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible tool for you in the UI design because <laughs> all you're creating is 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 highly static images. There's no yeah. you know you can't make them dynamic in any way. You can't prototype them, and and so it's all just images. With tools like Figma. Mm -hmm. uh, you're at least working with, they're still just images, but there's kind of intelligent images that can have states and where you can uh, toggle pieces of those images on and off and uh, so on. You can scale them in a, in a smart way, in a way that uh, roughly corresponds to the way actual code components scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, tools like the Vadin Designer, where you're actually designing with with actual components. Yep. And there's a tricky balance here between, you know, between having the freedom that a tool like Photoshop or Figma gives you with, with actually, while still being able to use the actual code components or, or mm -hmm. something as close to those as possible. So tools like the Vadin Designer don't yet give, the, give you the same kind of designer that uh, mm. you want to have as, as a UI designer. So it, it's a tricky balance, but that's, yeah. that's like the, the most difficult, in my opinion, the biggest hurdle, the biggest obstacle to really getting the designer developer collaboration as efficient as possible. But design systems is right now the next best thing we have, or the best thing we have, the best um, tool we have for, 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 you know, making that collaboration as, as smooth as possible. And that's a wrap up for this episode. If you're interested to be a guest in the show or you have topics you would like to learn more about related to enterprise application development, 
find us at farthin.com slash podcast.